When we talk about upper extremity injuries, training your shoulder, training for sports, overhead athletes, we need to realize that the only connection of your whole shoulder girdle back to your axial skeleton or the center of your body is right here at your SC joint. And your SC joint is where your clavicle or your collarbone connects to your sternum or your breastbone. And that small joint in the front, that is really the only true bony connection that we have for our entire upper extremity back to our axial skeleton. Why this is so important is because this allows us to do so many things with our shoulder. There's so much mobility, range of motion. We can do a lot of things that entail faster speeds. But with all of that, what we sacrifice is stability. Your shoulder gives up a lot of stability, which in turn, our muscles really need to make up that lack of stability to provide that muscular support. And because of this, there's a lot of moving parts in the shoulder. A lot of moving parts to consider when we're rehabbing, training, or doing anything in our sports. And in this episode, I want to give a brief overview and breakdown to help people understand the basics when it comes to shoulder maintenance, training, and elevating your shoulder health. Welcome to the HNL Movement Podcast, where everything is geared to leveling up your performance in activities, sports, and life. Join me in my professional journey as I share my knowledge and experiences while also learning from professionals, colleagues, clients, and you with one goal in mind, how to optimize human performance. This is the right place to learn how a multidimensional approach will sustain the performance and lifestyle you desire. Welcome back everyone to the HNL Movement Podcast. Thank you again for joining for another week. Any of the new listeners out there, you're in the right place to hear about all these topics that help you to optimize your performance and elevate the quality of your life. All of my returning listeners, thank you again for all of the support. For everyone out there, if you haven't heard some of the previous library of episodes, there's been tons of great guest interviews, great stories that people come on and share their journey and all things that help them to elevate their performance. And also a lot of solo topics like today's one where I break down things and help to get some information and resources out to you. If you like what you hear, go to Apple Podcasts, rate and leave a helpful review to help the growth of the podcast. And also share these with family and friends. Also share them on social media or anyone that you think that will benefit from these episodes. There's a lot of things that I want to talk about today. And when I was looking actually through all of the podcast episodes, I realized that I didn't do this episode and it's something that I wanted to talk about a lot sooner. So we are going to talk about basic shoulder function. And this is some of the key concepts that I utilize whenever I'm assessing, rehabbing, strengthening, helping to train someone's shoulder. I'm trying to apply these concepts to really help them to improve their shoulder health for one, but also improve their capabilities and help to optimize how their shoulder is functioning. So as I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, your shoulder is one of the most mobile joints in the body. It allows us so much range of motion, so many different things that we can do with our shoulder. But with that, we're sacrificing a lot of stability. And I think the typical thing that most people associate with shoulders is your rotator cuff. They think the rotator cuff needs to do its job and hold the humeral head or your upper arm bone into the shoulder joint or the socket. But there's so much more to shoulder function beyond that. Rotator cuff is something that I think just gets a lot of attention, but there are a lot of other very significant and moving parts that we need to consider whenever we're looking at training or rehabbing someone's shoulder. 
So again, like I mentioned, the true connection back to the center of your body or your axial skeleton is your SC joint, your sternoclavicular joint, which is where your clavicle, your collarbone, connects to your sternum, your breastbone. And that small joint plays a significant role in the only true joint connection that we have. Now, when we span out, so your clavicle, it actually connects to your shoulder blade, your scapula, at your AC joint, your acromioclavicular joint. Now, why this is important is because your scapula is not a true bony joint. It's not connected to anything. In fact, your scapula is held onto your rib cage by all muscular attachments. So when we talk about a true bony joint, you have two bones that are interacting with each other, typically with ligamentous support. So there's ligaments connecting bone to bone. Now, when we talk about our scapula or our shoulder blade, there's no ligaments. So no ligaments is holding our scapula onto our rib cage. It's all muscular support. So that means muscles are attaching into your scapula. And from there, it's attaching either to your rib cage, to your spine, to your skull, all of these different places. And this is helping our scapula to be stable on our rib cage. But it also allows a lot of gliding and a lot of motion for our scapula to slide along our rib cage. And because of this, our scapula is very crucial in optimal shoulder function. So as you can see, if you had something that was relatively flat gliding over another object, it can slide all different directions, it can rotate, and that is pretty much what our scapula does. It allows our shoulder joint, the connection where our scapula and our upper arm bone, our humerus, that connection, it assists and works together to allow bigger ranges of motion to occur. And then as I mentioned before, Basically, your rotator cuff connects from your scapula to your upper arm bone, your humerus. And its main job is to keep your humeral head or your shoulder joint in the socket as we create all of this movement with our upper arm. So that's the basic premise of how our shoulder joint functions. It's a combination of all of these movements between our true shoulder joint, so the glenohumeral joint, where our upper arm attaches into that socket. That's typically where you hear the congruency is like a golf ball on a tee. There's not too much bony congruency, and that's where your rotator cuff comes into play to really add more support. Then on top of that, we have the scapula sitting on our ribs, which allows a lot of sliding and gliding, and assist our GH joint to make sure that it supports all of these movements, especially overhead, doing all of these overhead activities. And from there, your clavicle, your collarbone, it really acts kind of as a strut to just connect our scapula, our shoulder blade, back to our axial skeleton or the center of your body via that SC joint that we talked about in the beginning, where your collarbone attaches to your sternum or your breastbone. And that is the basic bony structures of your scapula. So with this, it's a complex system that all works together to help us to do everything from bench pressing, rowing, pulling things, lat pull downs, throwing something, shoulder presses, all of these things require a lot of cooperation and synergy to really make sure that we can actually do whatever the task is. Now, I'm not going to go too much in depth, but I just wanna give some basic ideas and hopefully this helps to helps everybody, helps people that are training, helps athletes that do a lot of overhead movements, or even helps people that are coming back from maybe injuries or rehab, or even people that recovered from injuries that are trying to prevent future injuries from recurring. So there's a couple concepts that I want to go over really briefly, and this is typically how I address 
pretty much anybody that I'm assessing, rehabbing, or training. And it's going to help you out there understand why each of these parts of this complex system is very important. So where do we start? So a lot of times when we have any shoulder injury, shoulder pain, people just think, again, like I mentioned, start with your rotator cuff. Do basic rotator cuff activation exercises. Yes, that is important and that can be a significant contributing piece to help you to improve or eliminate the dysfunction, but that is not where I typically start. So with assessments, and keep in mind, none of this is to replace professional medical advice. This is just for information purposes only. But where I start is actually looking at overall posture and T-spine. A lot of the muscles that stabilize your shoulder blade, they actually connect into your spinal column. And because of that, if you have a lot of postural dysfunction, a lot of restrictions in your T-spine especially, your thoracic spine, which is the middle section of your spine, if you have postural weakness, core weakness, all of this, it can contribute to a very, very poor base for you to actually create some scapular stability or shoulder stability. So that's the first thing that I do is really try to assess and evaluate someone's T-spine, seeing how their posture is, how are they supporting themselves? Is this providing a good base where we can actually utilize our shoulder in a better way? And sometimes I don't think this is emphasized enough. Sometimes it's very, very poor core function. Like they can't even hold their ribs in a good position. They can't keep their body upright in a good position. Maybe they're getting some extra imbalances because of that. Maybe lat tightness. Maybe it's tracing up to forward head and neck tightness. All of these types of things. I think they need to be assessed. And again, it's trying to make everything work better. So it contributes to this overall system. Now, the second thing, once we start to address some of the areas that we need to work on there, then it's adding the second piece of the puzzle which is scapular stability or shoulder blade stability. We need to make sure that your shoulder blade can provide a stable base for your whole upper arm to work off of. And that scapular positioning is huge. That's big when it comes to any type of exercise, any type of movement, not only that stability, but being able to control how that's moving and gliding along your rib cage. Remember, it's a flat bone that's gliding in many different directions because again, it's not tied down by ligaments. It's only muscles. So the muscles can pull in different ways. Different muscles can pull with different tensions. And all of this coordinates the movement of our scapula. So our scapula has quite a bit of movement that contributes to our overall shoulder function, as I mentioned before. This scapular control becomes a lot more complex whenever we're doing things above overhead. So when our elbow starts to go above our shoulder height, that's when there's a lot more complexity, a lot more stability is required for our shoulder blade to actually make sure that we can utilize our rotator cuff, our bigger muscles, our shoulder, and keep our shoulder joints safe. Now that's not to dismiss that it does have a lot of stability requirements, a lot of things whenever we're below shoulder height too, but in that way, I think there's a lot less complexity and your muscles are typically more used to stabilizing in that position whenever we're below shoulder height. Now why scapular stability is extremely important? Again, it's because our rotator cuff connects our scapula to our humeral head or the upper arm bone. And the rotator cuff is constantly what we hear, right? You hear of rotator cuff tendonitis, rotator cuff tears. You have impingement types of injuries, things that cause inflammation in the small spaces in your shoulder. So all of this, we hear a lot about rotator cuff strength, stability, but our rotator cuff really cannot do its job if our scapula is in a poor position 
or if our scapula is really unstable. So oftentimes the basic example or analogy that I give to a lot of my athletes is think about your muscles need to generate force. It needs to generate force in order to do some type of job. In all muscles, it has to have a stable base to work off of. If the base that it's working off of is very unstable, it's not going to be as effective at doing whatever job or creating that tension or that force. So for example, I tell my athletes and clients this. Think if I told you, okay, we need to do like sled pushes, right? It's like, I'm gonna put you on stable ground, we'll load up the sled and you're just gonna push the sled. And if it's something that you've been doing, You'll be like, no problem, let's do it, get a good workout, I'll get tired, but I'll be effective at driving into the ground, the stable surface, and generating that force through my body and into that sled so I can push the sled forward. Now imagine if I said, let's have the same amount of weight on the sled, right? And instead of putting you on stable ground, let's say I put you either on a skateboard or rollerblades, or something that decreases how stable that base is, and it really diminishes how much force you can push into that sled. Now, as you can imagine, if you try to push a sled on some unstable base, you're gonna be able to do it, but the ability to do it is going to drastically decline, right? If I put you on something that was rolling, you're going to push a little bit into the sled, but at the same time, you're gonna be pushing yourself back, especially if you don't have stable traction on that ground, right? No stable surface. Well, think about this analogy because that is pretty much how your rotator cuff works. Your scapula, is either that ground or that unstable surface. You being the thing that's trying to generate force into the sled, that is like your rotator cuff muscles. It needs to produce some type of tension or produce some type of force to create some type of effect or action on your arm bone. And then your arm bone is the actual sled, right? We're trying to produce and generate some force into your arm bone or the sled. So that's a basic analogy. That's why scapular stability is extremely important because we need to have this stable base so that our rotator cuff can do its job and keep our humeral head nice and secure and control that fine movement whenever we're doing more complex, more high speed type of activities. And then that leads into the next point, our actual GH joint our glenohumeral joint, the true shoulder joint where we have the humeral head attaching to the glenoid fossa. And that congruency again is typically like a golf ball sitting on a tee. That's about how much bony connection we have. Because of that, it allows us to have a lot of mobility, but we give up a lot of bony or primary stability. So how do we make up for that lack of stability? That is our rotator cuff function. Our rotator cuff wraps around that and really just holds our humeral head into the socket. Of course, we have things like our labrum that deepens the socket a little bit. We have our joint capsule that provides added stability, but really the primary thing that's providing a lot of stability is the rotator cuff holding that humeral head in place. Along with keeping the humeral head in place, it allows for fine motor control. So gliding of the joint, it allows for a lot of coordination to make sure that whenever we're doing something like throwing, we can actually decelerate, keep our humeral head in socket, prevent it from dislocating with all that force. So our rotator cuff has a huge job. It is a big significant piece of the puzzle. But remember what I said, our rotator cuff, it cannot function without that stable scapular base. And along those lines, beyond our rotator cuff, that allows our shoulder to actually generate a lot of force with all the bigger muscles. 
So we have our deltoid, our big shoulder muscle, right? We have our muscles that are involved with pulling, right? These are more scapular muscles like your rhomboids, your mid and lower traps, but still yet your rotator cuff plays a huge role in making sure that our shoulder joint is nice and stable so that we can generate higher amounts of force with these bigger motions and muscles. Any type of pressing, bench press, shoulder press, all of this requires a lot of stability from those rotator cuff muscles. So that is in a nutshell, a very simple and brief breakdown of how all of this works together. So the last thing that I wanna to touch on is I wanna make sure that everything's working together. And if there's ever a weak link or dysfunction in the chain in relation to whatever movements you're training, whatever sports you're training for, I make sure to target one of these areas and make sure that it's working in balance with this overall system. Now on top of that, make sure that when you train shoulder movements, you're training for your sport. There's a lot of basics that you need to address, but when we get closer to season, higher levels of activities, make sure that you're incorporating not just your traditional lifts where we're not moving very fast. Because your shoulder is super mobile, and if you think about all types of overhead athletes, even athletes like swimmers, right? Our shoulder doesn't really move at slow speeds. We need to get it to withstand certain types of movements at certain types of speeds. Now, obviously when you get to more demanding overhead athletics, like hitting a volleyball, throwing a baseball, overhead serving in tennis, there's a lot more force that we need to generate at these high speeds. So one of the things that I recommend, on top of all of the shoulder basics that you do, is to try to make sure that you train and translate all of the strength and stability into more power, higher speeds, and you need to train that component as well, in addition to just practicing and playing your sports. So there's a lot of things that I like to do with that. It's really like plyometrics for your upper body, a lot of deceleration training, what we call altitude drops, forcing your muscles to decelerate at high speeds and do it in a controlled manner. You can do lower resistance, higher power stuff, focusing on that speed of movement, making sure that you're controlling this. And then you're training your muscles not only for strength, but you're training it to respond, to have that type of control and generate that type of power with certain types of movements. Along those lines, thinking back to you know T-spine, posture, core work, try to integrate a lot of shoulder exercises or movements that integrate that core work, right? We don't wanna be always on a stable surface like a bench in a seated position or something that our core is getting some assistance with stability. We want to make sure that we can coordinate, you know, transmitting force from the ground through our core, keeping our posture and our core nice and stable. And then from there, transferring that force into our upper extremity and being able to do all of the things that we need to do to control our shoulder movement. And when you start to integrate all of this, I think you'll find you'll either expose some of the weak links that you need to focus on more, or you'll start to see that you're getting a lot more benefit because your shoulder function, again, is a lot more than just delt raises and shoulder presses and doing things like that. It's trying to create this better system all the way from your core or even beyond that, even from the lower body, how you're generating force from the ground up through your core and transferring that into your shoulder so that you can adequately do the things that you want to do and keep improving and perform at that high level. And the last thing that I wanna mention is that I think the crossover symmetry bands, that's actually a really good tool. If you've seen some of my YouTube videos, it's pretty much something that we utilize almost daily 
either as a shoulder activation tool, a warm up. It's something that will help to target all of these ranges of motion, all of these different movements. It's very good in getting your scapular stabilizers to turn on, your rotator cuff to turn on, and helping you to get all of those gears turning so that you can continue to work on some of the higher level exercises. Overall, that's a real brief understanding of all of the things that we need to consider, how complex the shoulder girdle and shoulder joint is, and some of the things that will help you to, again, either train better, rehab from injuries better, or prevent future injuries from occurring. If you know of any overhead athletes or anybody that's dealing with a lot of shoulder issues and you think that they'll benefit from listening in on this episode, send this episode to them, share it with all of your teammates, your athletes, anyone that might gain some benefit from this. That is all that I have today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Again, don't forget to listen in to the previous library of episodes. And also don't forget to check out my YouTube channel where I'm putting up video highlight clips daily. Those video clips will match the audio that you're listening to right now. And it's another great way to see some of the guest interviews, some of the solo topics, and match the video content to the audio content. Also check out my social media at HNL Movement. Going to try to be a little bit more active this semester. I'll be working on some great content that will, again, give everyone some tips and strategies to help you to elevate your performance. And I hope everyone out there is staying healthy. Keep working hard, keep training smart, and I want to see everyone achieve all of their goals and so much more. If you have any feedback, comments, questions, feel free to email me at andrew@hnlmovement.com. But other than that, keep tuning into these episodes. I release episodes every Tuesday. So I will be back here same time, same place next week. Until then, have a great week. Aloha.